Welcome back, I'm Kim Bailey. She's Brianna Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today we're going to talk about up and coming managers and a, a demographic that is getting younger and younger in our eyes, but <laughs> apparently uh, according to some stats that we heard recently, there, there is a significant increase in the numbers of a generation that are below 30 that are moving into or will be moving into management positions. And we wanted to look at how organisations adapt to those new managers coming through, and particularly in terms of the information that they can access or that you can access as an organisation. Fulana is going to talk about what these new up-and-coming managers might look like, and I want to talk to you also about some related experience that I've had just in the last week in terms of social media and social media policy. With and without reference to age, I think the future leaders, based on all the research to date, is Future leaders need to be personable, proactive. They have to have very clear ethics and values. That seem to be much, much more important now than ever because it's about how it affects the world, not just how it affects me, my company, etc. So ethics and values, motivation, and they motivated and how they motivate their staff. Look for the long term, as I said, not just the short term gain. Getting the company to make millions in the short term is no longer acceptable. It's sustainability of the company and its values in the future, being willing to change themselves as leaders, being agile, being able to come out with strategy, but the execution of that strategy, it's not just good enough to, to come up with a broad idea. They need to be agile. And I know this word has been used a lot. I'm going to use it again, but I'm going to also use another word, which is pivoting, being able to pivot your strategy and plan. Because at the moment, look at what's happening now. This is going to happen all the time. We're going to have new things coming at us that we don't know they're coming. And in some cases, not at all. In some cases, impact. But you've got to be flexible enough and you have to have your strategies, etc. have to be able to change quickly and to change to reflect the need that is highlighted by external factors or by competition. Being able to have, you know, a budget is limited, so you have to reallocate your budget. So at the moment, this is going to get you X, but for in the short term, you have to reallocate it, keeping an eye on your long-term decision. Your resources have to be reallocated as well to, to attend to the different needs. You have to have a continuous plan and you have to be able to get your team to understand why and, and move along with you. Now, these are high energy situations that will need constant ability to change. And the other thing is, is not to be afraid to be wrong and how to recover. So there'll be risks and there will be learnings and there will be some things that will fail. And you have to have the resilience where you can do that. So that really does cover a lot of the young profile if you're talking about age. Now, one of the most important factors that's gonna play a major, major part in this is technology. And in this technology is where you've got to know what's available, what's coming, how to use it, and how to use that 
to help you and your team to reach where you're going to. If I look at one of my mentees actually gave me this, which I would like to say thank you and use it. When you're describing, and I'm just going to read it so I don't make a mistake, he said, for the young leaders of the future, they're using this acronym to make sure they get the right people, and they called it SEED, S-E-E-D. And S is for social and emotional competencies that include self-awareness, social awareness, and social skills. E is for emotional resilience, the ability to cope with shocks or rebuffs that may be short or long-term affected. E is for enterprise, innovation, and creativity, the ability to shape situation, imagine alternatives, remain open to new ideas, problem solve, and work in teams. D is for discipline, both inner discipline to defer gratification and pursue goals, as well as the ability to cope with the external discipline. So this is about the sort of person we're looking at. But as I said, a biggest enabler other than the team, obviously, is the technology. On the technology side of things, it's fairly important for us to recognise back in history, every generation has been a problem to the previous generation in terms of management. So, so managers that came through, let's say, you know, we go back to the 50s, the, the people who started in the 50s became managers in the 60s, the 1960s we're talking about, for those of you who lived that long, like us. But when those managers became senior managers in the 1970s and they were looking at people who came through in the 1960s, it would have been, oh, my God, they've got all this coloured clothing. And, and I, you know, I can remember looking at personnel files in an organisation where we both worked where they were not allowed to have, well, someone got disciplined for having a bottle of Coca-Cola on his desk and he was formally disciplined. So each generation was a problem. Those of us who are looking at a new generation coming through as managers are seeing something that every generation has seen. However, what we are also having to deal with is a complete change in the way we work. What we have experienced in these times of the pandemic over the past 18 months has just really been an indication or a fast track into the way we will work in the future. We won't ever go back to everyone working in one building in the centre of a city or the centre of a, a regional area. There will always be a mix of work from home, do this, do that, work part-time, work contract work, whatever it is. So there's a change, a complete change in the face of the workforce and the way work is done. And for that, we need a different kind of management structure. And I think that if we, again, if we look back historically, we would always think that the next management group coming through haven't spent enough time learning the ropes. Brianna and I went through that experience where we were told categorically, not together at different times, that we hadn't spent enough time. You know, you had to do your time before you could move to the next level and whatever time that was, whatever time that was. But you weren't considered for a promotion until you had spent X amount of months in one job and you moved on to the next one. Not only do we not have the luxury of that these days, we don't have the need for it because the information and the knowledge and the knowledge transfer that we've talked about continuously are available to the next generation of managers and of leaders 
far more easily than they were even for the, the generation before them and for us, which was the generation before that. So <laughs> the information and the knowledge is there. Yes, they have to spend time knowing it, but, but for those giving you a framework for the sorts of people that would help you as an organisation to move forward with their thinking and with their ability, regardless of their age, because age is just not a, a, a question these days. In the same sense that you might have someone who is in their 70s or 80s who is so valuable to you in the way they think that you would want them to stay around. It's not about what they know, it's about how they address their knowledge and how they share that knowledge and, and, and how they work for the organisation. What do they bring to the organisation or how do they move the organisation forward that is important that you can't get anywhere else regardless of their age because age is just a measure. Of, you know, it's, it's a time measure, it's not a judgment call, not any other kind of measure. The other thing that I wanted to bring into this conversation was about how these people get their information. We have heard how they are very much more focused on getting their information from a multiple of sources where in the past perhaps the one news channel or the, the seven news channels, whatever it is that you have on your particular instrument of, of information, that's how you got your information where you sat down, you watched the news and you got your information that was presented to you or you read the newspaper and so you got the journalist's view or the, that, that organisation's view of, of what the information. These days, information is available in so many different ways and so many different formats that we have to start thinking about where are these emerging managers getting their information and how reliable are those sources of information and how do they filter that information that they bring then to the organisation or that makes up their persona, their beliefs, their core values, whatever it is, and how do we address that? How do we find out those things? In the past week, I have been working on a draft social media policy for an organisation. The research for that brought up some very interesting points because... There are obviously social media policies across the world for all sorts of organisations, large and small. And by far, the area that they expressed most concern about is this a grey line between personal life and business life. And the bottom line of it was that for each of those policies that I looked at, it was that just remember that whatever you post, whatever you say is permanent. So somewhere, sometime, someone's going to read it and make a judgment call on you or your organisation. So it was about protecting organisations, only having specific uh, spokespersons for organisations, but that if you saw a negative comment about your organisation, then you reported it. You, you didn't address it yourself unless you were one of the official spokespeople but you, you sent it to someone who could address it, who were trained to address those things, not just reacting. Because as we have said before, some of the social media that's around is the land of outrage. So we must be outraged. We must say something or we must be outraged by something that someone else has said. And that's just not good for any kind of business or any kind of organisation. And it's not good for you personally, because increasingly we see that organisations, when they are recruiting, will look or will ask you for your social media addresses and they will look at them, they will read them and they will make a judgment call, they will shortlist you or not based on what you have said or what you're posting or what you're reading or what you're, the, the way you are projecting yourself into the universe through this media. 
they see that as a way of getting to know you before they have to actually talk to you. So you need to be aware of that as well. In terms of organisation, yes, you can use that as a research avenue for looking for your emerging managers, but it's only part of the recruitment process. So in the ones that I talk to, I would not suggest that they look at certain ones that are more focused on very social activities, but I would look at the more professional ones and, and see professionally how often do they interact with others in the profession? What is it that they're talking about? What is it that they're reading in a professional sense that will be good for the organisation? On that level, um, without giving a shout-out to them, I think LinkedIn is the thing that you need to be focused on. And we did a long time back talk to Beck Co-Francesco about your social media and digital profiles. And so we'll put a link to that podcast episode so that you can have a listen to that and see what Beck was saying about how you protect yourself and how you use that. I think we've probably covered emerging managers uh, from one angle or another. So for now, let's leave it there. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Pugliana Osborne. This is Inside Exec.